Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Joining me today is Tamika Chambers, who will be sharing with us how owning her truths about her childhood sexual abuse experiences led her out of the darkness and into the light. Tamika's mission is really to increase compassion and healing, love and truth and other life-sustaining virtues in the world through her virtuous writing and speaking. Man, I really encourage you to check her out and to follow her. Her writing is just so poignant, so heartfelt. And what's really true is that she came into this from a place of like getting really frustrated with the chronic health conditions that she was seeing as a health coach and as a nurse for over 20 years. And you all know, we've talked about it on the show before, that there's often a, a really um, high correlation between health challenges and trauma. And so she's really stepped into this world of writing children's books and memoirs and screenplays to help people remember who they are and fulfill their divine purpose. So you all know that's like right on time for the stuff that we love to do here at Beyond Surviving. She is also a member of the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse and serves as the organization's Oregon ambassador. 
You can find Tamika's empowering and inspirational messages on her website, TamikaSChambers.com, and that link will be in our show notes. So again, you can pop over there and connect with Tamika. Oh, Tamika, I'm so glad you are here. Welcome, welcome. How's your day? It's going great. Thank you so much, Rachel. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, when you reached out um, to inquire about coming on the podcast, you know, I popped over to your website and, you know, I was checking out a little bit of what you've been writing about and your journey. And uh, I was just really so uh, inspired and compelled by the way that you are speaking just honestly and transparently and with just such an open heart. You know, it really comes through the impact that you're wanting to have um, and the place of inspiration that you are writing from these days. And I also know that getting to that place of being able to write and share um, and talk about these experiences has been a journey. So I wonder if you could take us a little bit into your story. You know, what was life grow like growing up for you? Um, what were some of the experiences that you had that formed and shaped you? Absolutely, absolutely. So I'll just start. Um, actually, my mother told me that shortly after her marriage that my husband showed another side of himself. And so I do, at the time, I don't remember or have images of him verbally, verbally and physically abusing her, but I have like little pieces of the puzzle. And my first experience with what I call the generational cycle of pain was with domestic violence. Um, one day my mother rushed my me and my brother into a room, our shared bedroom in our Memphis apartment, and curiosity, she shut the door, she told us to stay put, and curiosity actually led me out of that, that, that my, our bedroom down to the hallway to a door, and I, I sat there and I squinted my little eyes and I looked through and I could see my mother pointing her hands and arms and, and talking to someone in a dark uniform, which was the police. There were two of them there and I could see one full policeman at the back of him. And she's just waving her hands and arms trying to describe something to him, an incident. And I could feel, it seemed like my mother wanted to cry, and I could feel her sadness, and I wanted to help. Mm -hmm. And so the next image I have is of being in a car with a female driver. And I just blurted out, Daddy abuses Mom. And she said, what did you say? She It broke her trance. And I said, Daddy stood up tall in my seat, and I said, Daddy abuses mom. And she went back to her trance, but I felt like I had did thing, I did the right thing. And the next vivid, vivid image I have is actually being on trial in what I felt like was my trial in our Memphis kitchen, my back facing the door, and my father, in this case, yelling at me, saying I had no business telling what was going on at home. And on one side of the room, I saw fear, my mother in the kitchen, just standing there. She didn't say anything. And the other side, I saw anger. My father was like a ball of fire with fists on them. And I knew I went inside and I said, I, you know, I wondered if I was wrong. And I came out saying, no, I was right because you people have no right abusing people. That's that's why I came out. Mm -hmm. He was wrong. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't realize at the point 
depths was when I went inside, so did some seeds of doubt that even though I felt like I was right, something else entered my subconscious mind because when my mother had, when she realized that she needed to leave that marriage and she left with three children under the age of five, $4,000 and two suitcases. And we, by Greyhound bus, traveled from Memphis, Tennessee to East St. Louis. And we lived with my grandmother for about a year. At some point, two male family members around age five led me into the dark wilderness of childhood sexual abuse. Now, for, four, for almost five years, I kept that a secret because I was afraid. I felt like I was in a maze with no exit doors. And the doors were there. I just didn't want to open them because I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know if I would be on trial again, if my, my mother would believe me. I didn't know that. I didn't know if she would do something. So I held on to it. And I also saw my mother just really struggling with taking care of us. And I didn't want to add more pain or discomfort to her. So I took that on myself because I thought I was strong enough. I thought I could handle it. Right. And what I didn't realize at the time, there were so many truths that were unfolding in front of me during that abuse, because I saw that one person was, I considered the mean one. And the other one, I considered the nice one. Everybody liked him. He, you know, he was this nice guy. He spoke to everyone and people loved him in school. He went to the same school that I went to. And I didn't realize at the time that although they had different ways of doing it, they both achieved the same outcome. They both abused me. But I thought one was mean and one was nice. And it doesn't, it didn't matter at that time who was mean or nice. Like I said, both of them achieved the same outcome. And so when the secret actually did come out, it was a family member's daughter who was also being abused. And one summer, the summer before fifth grade, she said she didn't want to come visit anymore, do a family visit. And she literally cried her truth out to her mother. And that's when my mother found out. And she approached the the mother of the two that were um, sexually abusing me. And basically, she told she called us liars. She said that we lied about it. Now, I knew at that time that every cell in my body knew what happened. Every time that it happened, I faced what happened. So I knew what happened. But what I took from her saying that I was a liar, saying that I took it, I started praying for the truth. I wanted to tell the truth because I didn't want to be on the side of being someone who was not telling the truth. So even though she called me a liar, I actually used that and transformed into, I want to be the one that always tells the truth. And so I would start telling the truth of from something small as the color of my carpet to something big, because I, I didn't like the way it felt. Pain was such a great teacher for me and leading me to my truths. And so when one of the things, when it happened, when, when the truth finally came out, I think was inside of me, I knew that I needed help. There was something inside of me because one day in my bedroom of our first home that we had, which was across the street from them. So we didn't go far. We actually moved across the street once my mother got her home. And one day I, I sit in my bedroom 
and in the crevice of my dresser and my bed, and I looked out to outside and I said, I want to be aligned with nature. Because all alone, I felt I'd been developing a relationship with nature. You know, I would, I, I never had problems sleeping at night. I remember in, in one night in particular, I, when we were still living in my grandmother's house and we, there were two beds and my mom and I slept in one bed and we had this huge fan in the room. And any time that it was cool outside, my mother, they would just open the doors and the fan would not be going. And I remember one night just hearing just a, a, a musical play of crickets and, and frogs bellowing. I could hear it outside. And I looked at the dark lit sky and I saw, I, I felt something. I felt a connection to something. Mm. So even that, that that was going on somehow, and I think it's because my mom always talked about God and, and he's there and he's truth. I felt like I wasn't alone. So I never really had, I never had problems with sleeping. As a matter of fact, I always loved sleeping. But to go back, when I, when I called out for help, a series of events happened to me. And one of them was that I, and this, this starts to getting into my truth and how I started recognizing my truth and started searching more for truth, is that I got a hold of a Bible, King James Bible, and I read that. I laid on my carpet, my shaggy carpet, multicolored carpet, and I laid and I read that over a couple of days. I didn't feel different after reading it. I just kind of felt like, okay, I had no more information mm -hmm. about who mom was saying this God. And then I got a white, um, a white bookmark. And I, I was like, what is this? And I'm in my mother's room and I flip it over and it had the Lord's prayer on that. And immediately I kneeled at her bed and I looked at the clock and it took me 15 minutes to memorize that prayer because I was so hungry at that time mm -hmm. for truth. I needed something and I, I knew it, but I couldn't articulate it when I was younger. And so I memorized that and I end up learning about this person named Jesus and his story. And it wasn't about religion because you have to look at, I had a father that abused my mother right. and wasn't a positive role model. I had two male family members that were uncles and they weren't a positive role model. And I couldn't really, I didn't have that around me. So I, I needed a positive role model. And to me, that he was like my superhero. He was much like me, poor. You know, he, people talked about him, didn't believe him. Um, but yet still, he was convict, he had a conviction for the truth. And he spoke the truth loudly and boldly, mm -hmm. didn't care what anyone else said, because he knew he had purpose. And I was drawn to that. And again, it wasn't about religion because I saw religious, I saw people that were going to church. The the one that I considered nice at the time, he was a deacon in the church and they went to church. So I saw that. So it wasn't about religion or Christianity. It was more about, and what I what I encourage people to do, what was the, the pivotal point for me was finding someone I admired, someone who was considered yeah. a hero to me. Someone who treated people with respect and honor, regardless of where they were from, high, low class, it didn't matter. We were equal. And so that's what I held on to, and that's who I strive to become. Again, I let pain 
be my greatest teacher and that I didn't have to be that. I knew as a girl and I would see them. The, the good thing about me staying across the street from them is that I would see them go on with their lives, not worried about me. And I thought to myself, why am I going to sit here and be sad and frustrated? Mm-hmm. You know, and my mom would always, she had these principles that she would teach us. Even though she was the one, the teacher that I was afraid to go through, go to with the truth. The truth is she became one of my saving graces. She became the person that would help me build the foundation on principles so that I could weather many other life storms. She helped me get through when, when you think that you've made the worst mistake and error. She said, live another day. You never know what the day may bring. So I had all of this around me. I knew that one time that when the male family member that at that time I called him mean, I no longer called him mean, and I'll explain why. But the one I called mean, when he was abusing me, I looked at him. And it wasn't an out-of-body experience in the act. I saw that what he was doing to me was not about me. It was about something he thought he needed. Any other person would have probably have done it. Any other person would have done, would have, would have been, he would have picked anybody else to do it. But it, it wasn't about me. And so that opened the door because I didn't have any guilt or frustration or anger that day. I, I felt at peace. I felt like I had a piece of truth that helped me to to basically take off the chains a little bit, that I didn't feel that it was my fault. Because no matter, he didn't care about me. It was more about what he thought he was getting. Right. And so I knew that was one of the truths that I knew is that the abuse was not about me. And so that helped me to not take the impersonal personal because it wasn't me. One of the things that I, I realized is that out of that pain, out of my first time, I realized that birth, that at that time I had conviction to birth out of me because I said at that time, no one should ever be forced to do anything that he or she doesn't want to do. And I carried that throughout my life. I carry that in raising my children, that no one should be able to, to, no one should feel forced. So I knew that was the truth. I knew that out of conviction, out of pain, conviction can come, can mm-hmm. rise up. And that was my conviction. I knew that it wasn't my fault. I knew that something out there, whether you call it higher power, God, infinite intelligence, spirit, something out there loved me and had me here on earth for a reason. I didn't know quite what that was, but I was here for a reason and I felt protected. So I didn't have, and when I share my message, I want people to understand because I've read many books and how they say that um, you normally have these type of symptoms if you've gone through childhood sexual abuse. And I didn't have the uh, nightmares or the terrors. 
I, I, I wasn't, you know, wetting my bed. I wasn't mean to people. If anything, it brought out compassion in me because anytime I saw anybody being messed with or taunted, I spoke up many times, often not even realizing they, they could have done even worse to me because out of my pain was my teacher. And one of the other truths that I do want to get in here, because a lot of times, many often people say, well, my family doesn't believe me. You know, my, my family uh, will disown me if I tell the truth. And I often say, and I realize that this is one of the truths that I realized as, as I got to know myself, as I learned about the history of both the, of the two family members and even the person that called me a liar, said that we were liars is that family members are human too. They have jealousy, they have anger, they have frustrations, resentment, bitterness, they have pain too. And often because they are in pain, they cannot see their own pain, let alone see you. And often when you are speaking the truth, they will deny that because they're not denying you, they're denying their own pain. And so Often, and I saw this even in the heroes, uh, Jesus was the standard for me in seeing heroes because I continue to watch movies, heroes, Highways to Heaven, you know, those Disney movies and watching different stories. <laughs> Mickey Mouse, you know, yes. all, of those, all of those movies, I saw yes. those and I saw the hero and I said, often the hero walks alone, mm. sometimes until they can find other like-minded people. Yeah. So it's okay if you feel like you are alone, because I would rather you speak your truth and be healed yeah. and to go a lifetime struggling with your pain, because healing is necessary. It is possible. And you have to remember, it is a process. It's nothing that we can rush. And as a nurse for over 22 years, I've seen where people often will rush their healing process of a wound, of a sore. Yep. And what people realize, if it does not heal from the inside out, that wound can open up. They call it dehis. They can open up, get infected, and become even worse. Yeah. So I tell people healing is a process. It is possible. It can be done. It takes time and your patience. Because guess what? You are worth it every step of the way. My goodness. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a breath. <laughs> Y'all, I, I didn't know. Lot, I'm I didn't know. I was going to be like, okay, go. And she was <laughs> And oh my gosh, there are so many moments and so many things that I want to pull out and talk about in more breadth and depth with you from your story. First and foremost, just thank you for breaking the silence and thank you for speaking your truth and sharing your story and just modeling like how powerful and um, really inspiring that can be. So let's take a little break and catch our breath because I'm like absorbing every, I need to gather my thoughts. And then when we come back, we're going to break this down a little bit more and talk a little bit further about, you know, this important piece of the healing process of moving against the doubters and coming in to your own truth. So let's take a break and we'll be right back. Okay. Are you ready to discover the three ways to build a strong foundation for healing? 
If so, I hope you'll join me for this free six-day Overcome Hopelessness Challenge. This is a fun, creative, encouraging way to start you on your journey recovering from abuse. By participating in this course, you're going to learn three ways to build a strong foundation for healing. You're going to even understand why healing is actually possible while even learning the major trap that will stop you in your tracks and more importantly, how to avoid it. Go to bit.ly slash overcome hopelessness dash RGC now to register for this free course and get started on your path to healing. This challenge is perfect for you if you are at your wit's end, feel hopeless or overwhelmed, and worry that you'll never get better. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, everybody. So, Tamika, one of the things that really just I I connected to as you were sharing your story was these various moments in your journey where you spoke up, you found your voice, you said the truth, and it was not heard. It was not believed. In fact, it was often, you know, there was uh, fear and like intimidation um, around that and a little bit of how dare you and we don't talk about those things. And, um, and that tension that you felt in these moments of I know what I'm saying is true, but the adults around me are saying no that's not real that's not valid. And just how destabilizing that can be. And I think for so many of us who've gone through um, childhood trauma, like we have those moments, we have those stories um, where we tried to speak our truth and it wasn't received. And if you look back at that, let's first of all, just talk a little bit about, you know, what was destabilizing about that for you? Like what made, what became hard or difficult um, in having those moments of not being believed? Can you say a little more about that? Yeah, um, like I'd mentioned, um, when my mother walked over to my um, my grandmother's house and she spoke to her in the kitchen, I didn't really hear the conversation. I was over over to the if you the left side of the kitchen, they were over at the right side of the table. My mother was telling her what was going on, and as we walked back home across the street where we lived. Um, that's when mother told me that they called us liars. My mother never called me a liar. If anything, I think she was hurt because I didn't say, I didn't tell her what was going on. Mm. So when, when I heard that, that I was called a liar, I, I didn't recant because I, I knew, and my mother asked me again, and I said, no, I, it happened. I mean, I, I felt like the worst thing that I could do to myself is deny what happened. I didn't know at the time what I know now that, you know, people having, finding out in their thirties and their forties that they were molested as a child and having these nightmares and these anxiety and it's all of this that that surrounds it. I knew that I couldn't deny it. So even though I wanted to rewind my life back again, I, there were times where I wanted to do that. I knew it wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. So for me, it became just realizing that I could not turn it back, that I had to move forward. And again, I had my mother's principles to tell me that. Now, one time we were outside playing in our in, in the front of our street. We were at the end of the street is where we lived. And 
the the nice one at the time, one of my uncles was outside, and we were just playing, running, and and all of a sudden it was almost like if you watched a movie and a scene just kind of happened slowly, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he was like in front of me just playing, and I was behind him laughing and just all caught up in, in what was going on outside, and he turned around and he said to me, it wasn't that bad. And I I kind of froze a little bit because I was like, wow. Here he is saying, because he denied ever right. since it happened and his mother found out, he has denied it. He even denied it. And when I approached, not approached him, I called him on the phone in my 20s, going on my 30s, and he's like 40 or 50 and he even he even denied it then. He's like four in his forties. I, I have to do the math. But he denied it then as adult an adult and a middle aged adult, he still denied it. And so that day when he told me it wasn't that bad, I said, Wow. For me, again, anger did not pop up. For me, it was like that's who I don't want to be. Okay. I don't yeah. want to be the person that denies that I hurt or led somebody into doing something wrong. To me, that's like mind games. So I knew there was not to me, there was nothing in me that said you are wrong. There was nothing in me that said it didn't happen. I knew it happened. I could not deny it. And so regardless, I had found out later why they denied it because of wanting to keep this image because of her losing her other loved ones, and here was her good son. This was that was her good son. The one I thought was nice was her good son, yeah. and she. I think she was afraid of losing him too. And so I I saw that when I when I what I did not too long ago that I prayed for the truth. I said, you know, I, I got on my knees and I said, I want to I I want to seek the truth. And so it seemed like that you know how when you ask for stuff. And you're like, okay, I got what I asked. I, people say, be afraid, be careful what you ask for. I say, be prepared for what you ask for because oh, you will. Wow. <laughs> and so yes. often oh, I would sit in and, and one of the things I learned, and, and I share this in my memoir that I've been working on, I, I've, I learned a lot from them. I, I, I still took the things that I like from them. Like my, my grandmother was a very observant person, at, at least mm-hmm. on the point of other stuff, you know. And I took that observation. He said, you know, I still talked to her. I still was around her. And she encouraged me to be observant. And so I was. I was very observant. And a lot of doors, this whole thing about generational pain, there's generations upon generations of pain. So, again, it continued to reinforce that it wasn't about me. It was about them. So when they denied my truth, it it didn't hurt me because I knew I knew it, it hurt me that. I thought because you were older than me, you're wiser than me. And that was one of the other things that I learned. Wisdom is a choice. Mm. It's not age. Wisdom is a choice. And so I would always say, I want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. I don't know if you remember that. And that was one of the things I wanted to do because I realized it was a choice. And I didn't want to be like that. I I did not know at the time, but I didn't want to continue the generational cycle of pain. And so, so powerful what you're, oh, excuse me, don't want to interrupt. Go ahead. And so I continue to go to school. School was not my hiding place. And, and that's when I, when I talked to someone else, it was not, it was more of one of the things that first thing I learned in school was they reinforce your body is your own. You have the right to personal space. 
And when they said that, they had me, school had me, because I was like, I can learn from school. I can learn. I can be, because I wanted to be a student of life. I, I didn't consider myself a victim. I didn't label it as sexual abuse at the time. I didn't, I didn't know a lot about all this other names that we put to stuff. I never liked labels. I never did. And so I did, I, I refused to label what happened to me and who I was. And maybe that has something to do with why I didn't have trouble sleeping and all this other stuff. But um, school, to me, really continued to confirm the need to learn from life, to be a student of life, not a victim, yeah. not a survivor, but like you, beyond yeah. a survivor. I wanted to be a student of life. I wanted to learn. And so I didn't really talk about abuse, but I did. There were, there were occasions where I spoke against it. Uh, when I when I saw somebody else being abused, I spoke against it because I knew what it was like to be in that position, to feel right. powerless, to feel um, that my thoughts, my desires didn't matter. And yeah. so I continue to speak up, not realizing how big it was like I do now, but I continue in my own little way to speak up and to do well in school because I, I loved learning. And it continued, like I said, continue to foster who I wanted to be, the character I wanted to have. I love that a lot. You know, what I'm really taking from what you just shared there is the space in which, you know, we, we, for many survivors navigating the world of like, I am minimizing and dismissing my own experience out of protection for myself, having a hard time, like really wrapping my head around like what happened. Um, but at a point when you're navigating what other people have to say about your experience to you, what I'm really drawing from what you're sharing here, Tamika, is that for you, a solid foundation and almost like the antidote to um, getting confused by those messages and dropping into places of self-doubt um, was really to recognize that this place of denial had everything to do with that person, with their own fears, with their own limitations, their own maybe even like motivations um, and protections. And so you can be doing all of that, and it does not at all impact the truth of my experience. And I think that's really important and profound, you know, what you're saying there. Yeah, and, and I can't, I, I'm not going to say that I wasn't angry, because I was angry. I, I was frustrated with not just that, but a lot of things, and, you know, not having a father figure there. But I, I was frustrated because I felt like you're the adult. You know, and, and that's what I kept getting. I kept getting that, man, adults have issues, you know, <laughs> that you're the adult and you're supposed to be here for me. And and I did learn, but I think I was I was frustrated and I just that kept me going into a different path. Do you, mm -hmm. does that make sense? That yeah. kept me yeah. veering, say, Okay, I this is not who I wanna be. Yeah. You know. I, I want, and like I said, I started getting images and signposts along my way and saying, okay, that's who I want to be. I want to be like that teacher that is poised mm -hmm. and, and respected and, you know, articulate. And that's who I wanted to be. And that's probably, be, I want to, and they, and they tell you, the person you want to be is often the person you are. And so I knew that I wasn't that's really good. what I didn't like. And so I was on the search of who I, I really was, who, right. what did I like? I knew yeah. what love was not. Mm -hmm. And so I was on a search for what love is. And that, that of course had the dark hills and the valleys. Um, 
But I, what I realized is that love is loving me first mm-hmm. and understanding that my life has a purpose. My life has meaning that people are going to treat me. And, 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 and that's what I tried to do throughout my, my um, years. Even a college classmate had came back to my brother and was like, I thought your sister would be married by now. And when he said that, because sometimes you don't realize if you're coming across um, the way that you want to come across as an individual, wanting to be respected. And when he said that, I said, that's what I want people to say about me. Because I never wanted anyone to say the other stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the other stuff that, that yeah. people can say. Yeah. And and I, I think we have to realize, and what I share is that we may not, and let me let me get this right, we may not get to choose all of our experiences, but we get to choose how we want to respond, how we respond to the experience. Yep. And that's what I want to get out of my journey because me, as Rachel, one of the things that you I, I read on your website is that you would get upset that people would allow the abuse to basically rob them of their joy, of their life. And that's where I came, what I came to, I would get upset. Even when I would see people bullying bullying people, when I even hear my children being bullied, is that I feel like, and, and that's with childhood sexual abuse, no one has the right to steal your joy. And I had to think about that. I said, but we gotta listen to this. They don't have the right to steal your joy. You too don't have the right to give them your joy. Surrender it. Yes. You don't have the right to do that. (laughs) And so we have to we have to think about it both ways. Yes. Because everything we do, and it's it's more confirmed even now at my age in my forties, it's more confirmed that life is about choices. Mm -hmm. And just because like you said something similar to that, just because something happened to you doesn't mean it is you. Yeah. You are not the abuse. You are not the person that abused you. Someone projected their pain onto you. And now it is your choice to decide what you want to do with that. Yeah. And I say, give it back to them. Yeah, and you please. move forward with your <laughs> you life. You have all of that. Right. <laughs> yes. Because I yeah. too believe in this identity okay. that, you know, there are stages we go through and we can either identify with the abuser or identify with what was done to us, or we can choose our own identity identity, and say, who do I want to be most like? Okay. Who now, am I? What is so critical about what you're saying and what we're talking about here, I'm going to say something that might feel confronting for some of you listening, but at a certain point, if what you are caught up in is they don't believe me, they don't listen to me, they've never acknowledged what happened to me, you know, we never talk about it. And all of your energy and vitality is going to that and continuing to be upset about that, hurt by that, frustrated by that, then you are surrendering your power to that circumstance. Absolutely. Yeah. And so at a certain point, feel your feelings about it. Process those feelings. Absolutely. And then there has to be a place of like, okay, that is what's so, and I'm moving on with my life and my truth and my knowledge of what is real and true for me, and I'm no longer going to surrender any more of my time, energy, or resources to trying to get people to believe or understand who aren't interested in going on that journey with me. 
Yeah. And when I doubted, there was a time in my life, I went through this of building this foundation of who I wanted to be. And there was a time, though, in my life where I doubted my healing process. I wondered if I was. And when I was going through this this darkness, because I, I believe there there comes a time when you may doubt who you are and, and the progress that you've yeah. done. And, and I was there. And I called the um, one of the uncles that I, I told you before this I thought was nice, the nicer one. And when he, when when I told him, he's much older, in his 40s, 50s, um, 40s or so, much older. And he told me, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. That wasn't me. That was the older brother. That was the other brother. And I said, wow. Hmm. I said, even now he still denies it. And you know what I did that day? I said, I'm done. Hmm. I hung up the phone. I said, I was done. Because I said, I did my part. I felt like maybe I should address him. I thought maybe I should. But when I realized, I said, now this is between him and this higher power. I am done with it. And I and I held my head up high. And I, because again, it came to me, Tamika, you know what happened. You know the emotions, the feelings that you had. You know the anger, the resentment that people thought it was more of the, of the, the, the bad brother mm-hmm. and, and not him, the good brother. And and I told my truth one one day when a cousin came and stayed with me in St. Louis. And she said, what happened? And I told her what happened. And I felt confident in what I had to tell her. And I told her it was the other, the nice one that was involved. And she said, I didn't know. I said, I know. Mm-hmm. People, he's saying that he didn't do it. But I'm telling you my truth. Right. And so there were times where I did tell my truth. And, and I don't mind speaking of it. I've My mother and I talk about it now. She told me, she confirmed, Samika, you, you, we're not responsible. You you are not responsible for what they did to you. Yeah, that's you're true. not. You had nothing. That was that was on them. Now I take account. I take accountability, responsibility, not saying anything, but I know I wasn't the one that caused it to happen. I whatever I had as a child, and I say this: no child is responsible for an adult's actions. Correct. No child. Yeah. And even to say something, there are always factors when you're a child that can even, you know, make saying something not doable. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And so now what's really true is that you um, are so in your voice and you're finding all of these beautiful, you know, creative ways to express yourself, express your stories um, and, and tell your truths. And one of those ways is through poetry. So, Tamika, I would love for you to bless us with <laughs> one of your poems. Okay. So, all right. So, I'm going to share this, and um, I'm going to read it off because I don't know it by heart. So, I'm going to. I'm being honest. Truth. All right. And so, the title of this is "I Did Not Come This Far." I did not come this far to go insane or hide or be consumed by tainted pride nor give in to fears of inadequacy, believing the world is out to get me. I did not come this far to surrender my life or self-destruct because of another's strife. There is more to my experiences than what I see. I dropped all of the baggage you tried to give to me. Pressing forward each day to uncover, still feeling the smoke of stewed emotions hover. No, I did not come this far to decimate like a withering flower, holding on to my innocence every minute and every hour. 
God breathed life into me to restore. His truth was convicting me to live just one more, never failing to teach me who I am to be. Therefore, I am here to stay as long as you will have me, to cultivate the fruit from the core of my heart, never wanting your gracious hand to depart. I did not come this far to give up. I no longer drink from another's cup of anger, blame, resentment, vengeance, and shame. I choose to rekindle my purpose-driven flame. Come on. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. I love so much about that one line <laughs> that really jumped out at me. I dropped the baggage you tried to give me. Yes. Wow. Tamika, it's been such a joy to be with you here today. Thank you for sharing your story, for sharing your words and um, experiences. So much wisdom. I love that. Wisdom is a choice. I'm definitely taking that and doing that. <laughs> I'll give you credit. I'll give you credit. It's so good. It's so good. And um, I want you to just take a moment to tell people how they can follow up and connect with you. Yeah, sure. Um, you can find me on my website, TamikaSChambers.com. I'm also on Twitter and uh, Facebook. Um, I have a site, uh, Fulfill Your Divine Purpose, that I um, just just give you tips about um, healthy eating and and just really finding your purpose and fulfilling your purpose. Um, I'm also on other um, Twitter, um, LinkedIn. You can also find me. Everything is by TamikaSChambers.com. I tried to make it easy. Right on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's Beautiful. where you can find me. Great. And I'll make sure all links to all of those um, are in the show notes. So please, folks listening, go um, check out the resources um, that Tamika has available. And, again, just thank you so much. What a joy. Um, to connect with you today. Really good. Thank fun. you, Rachel. You're so awesome. I enjoy talking to you today. Such such life and just humor and I, I love it. Thank you so much. I am so proud of you and Thank all the work you have done. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. And for those of you listening, I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad that you're tuning in. As always, if you'd like to make a donation in support of the podcast, you can go to bit.ly slash Beyond Surviving Podcast donation. All contributions will be applied towards funding scholarships, the running of donation-based and free programs, and making sure that those reaching out for support get what they need. And don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the resources there. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a thing. And then come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then... Take good care of you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, 
turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.